Hello, my name is Keen, and you're very welcome to another episode of Graduate Compass. If you are new to the show, uh, welcome. I hope you enjoy it, and I hope you get something from it. If you are coming back again, equally a warm welcome to you. I hope you're continuing to learn about your career path and where you're thinking of taking things in the future, or even if you just enjoy listening to the stories. So today's episode, we're going to be speaking to Kate about her very interesting journey, which started off in neuroscience and then moved in a very zigzaggy manner into the um, field of uh, marketing in a charity sector. I'm going to let Kate tell her own story in just a second. But before I do, a little bit of housekeeping. Some of you with a keen ear may notice a slight difference in the quality of my voice uh, during this particular interview. Long story short, I'm currently changing the way I record the episodes. And for today's particular episode, there is a slight difference in audio quality um, in what I have to say during my interview. However, it will be back to normal for next week. Um, so any kind of patience you have with me for this week will be very much appreciated. And to be honest, you might not even notice, in which case, ignore everything I just said. Anyway, I'm going to let Kate do all the speaking. As always, enjoy the interview. Welcome to Graduate Compass, the podcast for graduates who haven't quite figured out what their next step is going to be. Thank you so much for joining uh, the podcast today. And I suppose just as a start point, do you want to introduce yourself and give us a little top and tail? Start with what did you go to university to study and what you're doing now, please? Yeah, so um, I'm Kate and uh, I uh, went to Leeds Uni about, well, a long time ago now, longer than I care to remember, <laughs> um, to study neuroscience. Um, and I now work at a charity in London doing their social media content and design, um, running those teams for the charity. So quite different. <laughs> So, so let, let's start with neuroscience, because that, that to me sounds like a really smart person thing to go to university for. Tell us a little bit about that. It's brilliant. That's basically why I chose it, <laughs> because it made me sound a lot cleverer than I am. Good conversation starter. Um, no, I, um, I studied two of my A-levels were biology and psychology, and I could really see that there was like an interesting overlap. <laughs> Um, and lots and lots of people when I was heading to uni were going to do psychology and I think a out of a fear of the competition <laughs> um, and b out of just being a bit bloody minded and wanting to be different I kind of I started looking at psychology with neuroscience um, and then in the end I thought no I'll just I'll just do neuroscience um, and so there was only at the time I don't know if that's any different now but there was only like the half a dozen, 10 different places in the country that did like a straight neuroscience degree. Um, and Leeds, I picked entirely on the fact that I wanted to go to Leeds. I didn't look at the course content or anything like that at all. I was just like, yep, yeah, Leeds is the one for me. Um, just totally arbitrary. Um, so yeah, so that's how I ended up there. And then, um, and, and, and started in my first year was, a uh, bit of a shock to the system, to be honest, because I was suddenly like, oh, my God, this is like a lot of 
it was I mean to go into the real like minuscule detail of it it was like a lot of cellular chemistry and like really hard stuff I'd never been much like much good at chemistry um and I was suddenly doing a lot of it I probably should have looked at the course content um and but uh, uh and sort of whilst I was there doing all the like good stuff that uni involves like all the like societies and socializing and and stuff on the side um and I'd always vaguely been interested in radio um had sort of done a bit of um a kind of a bit of like community radio whilst I was at school and initially been very like shy and and not wanting to be on the mic but just kind of interested in how it worked then I got to uni joined the student radio society and started doing more and more presenting and just messing about really I mean if you've done student radio you know what it's like it's like a lot of <laughs> noodling about in the studios <laughs> and just but it's a nice place to hang out um and did that more and more so so kind of the amount of time I spent on my degree decreased as the years <laughs> the three years of my degree went along and the amount of student radio I did increased um and that's how I started moving into doing media stuff really from from neuroscience I just did the two alongside each other for a bit this has come up a few times in, in several different episodes where, where people have done a degree in one thing and then kind of found a, a niche maybe through a society or something I'm always curious to know why people didn't and, and, and Susan, this is my question to you is why you didn't uh, switch to a different degree why did you keep on the neuroscience path if you were going to be more drawn towards the kind of media content creation mm. well it's a good question I think a couple of reasons and I'm sort of maybe I'm maybe I'm sort of remembering it through like it's not quite rose tinted spectacles but maybe I'm putting my today brain on yesterday's decision um but I think I think partly it was not wanting to feel like I'd like given up on something even though it wouldn't have been giving up on it it would have been just making a positive move right it might have felt a bit I guess like I was giving up or not able to do something um which is obviously really dumb um and then partly I think I mean I I didn't know then that social media I, I mean I think I got Facebook in my first year of uni and you could only get it with a university email address um it was like the early days of Facebook so a, a career in social media was never on the horizon and but but media more generally and radio I guess it didn't feel very realistic as a I mean, not that I was expecting to like stroll out into like a white lab coat neuroscience job, but it maybe felt like radio was a hobby thing more than a career thing. But I, I, as I say, that might be, it was probably just that I was too lazy to find out what the, <laughs> like how to actually, um, how to actually m make a change. That's probably the reality of it is that I was just drunk for three years and I didn't do anything. But um, I think if I was, going to give a sensible answer it would be that <laughs> the previous answer not the drunk answer uh, I do really like the phrase putting today's head and was it today's head and yesterday's decision or something like that I'll have to read back and listen to it whatever you whatever way you phrased it I just thought it was a beautiful way of uh, of, of uh, thank you up. I've never said it before and I also thought that it was very poetic <laughs> as it tumbled out of my mouth <laughs> absolutely totally uh, okay so 
you let's let's uh, try and like get a handle handle on it. So you've finished. You're finishing your degree. Are you? Yep. You're you're just about to finish your degree. What's going through your head about where your career is going to go? What work you're going to do? Talk us through yep. what you're thinking as you kind of transition from that period of finishing finished oh my god it's in the past yeah so I think I knew quite I probably knew about halfway through my neuroscience degree that I didn't want to do a neuroscience job so I was I remember thinking you know like what would interest me about this what would I what could I keep doing in this field that would really like grab my attention and so I was thinking like wow maybe I could go into a lab and cure Alzheimer's that seems like a pretty meaty problem that they could do with my help on um and then as time went on I just thought no I just don't think that's going to make me happy you know we were doing like lab work as part of our course and I was like this doesn't it doesn't like grab me it doesn't make me want to you know I was just by that point I was just kind of getting through the academic bit of it and just like you know ticking the boxes of having done it and radio was becoming something that I was doing more and more and but I didn't know how to had no idea how to go into a radio station and get somebody to give me work experience let alone a job I think I probably again I could have found that information out because actually through a lot of societies and certainly I think Leeds student radio was a pretty like well respected well supported radio station I think had I like really sought out some help with that or even just called up you know like the local BBC you know whatever it was I think probably but that felt very unattainable it felt like it was like a, I don't know it just it didn't feel like something that I could just go and do because I was like well I don't know anything about it I'm just doing it as a hobby um so I then made the decision that I was going to to try and buy myself some time basically to cross over. Um, so I ended up um, applying to do a master's in radio um, and and everybody, <laughs> all my tutors were like, radiotherapy. <laughs> and I was like, no, weirdly off the back of this pure neuroscience degree, I'm gonna do a master's in radio. Um, and so that's what I did. And, and I basically did that to to try and buy myself time and I I ended up coming down to London um and and doing a master's at, at Goldsmiths um which was great a really good solid grounding in radio but also a lot of money to basically make myself feel more confident about trying to blag work experience um which is largely what that gave me um and, you know, as part of that course, we had to go and do work experience in various different stations or like at placements. So I did like a, like an international Internet like news um, kind of tiny little like news agency, I guess. Um, and then I did a, um, a, like a big sports radio station and I went and did like overnight set up producing for them and. Um, and that and, and and that ended up becoming from a kind of two week placement as part of my master's that ended up being like an ongoing um, freelance gig after I graduated. And and so I so, so so the master's did what it was supposed to in that respect. Um, it was just a very expensive way to do it. <laughs> Am I correct in saying you, you went into that course straight away after your degree? There wasn't yeah. much of a gap. Yeah, I did. And. I did. Uh, yeah. And, and all the while I was also then um, 
no not it wasn't all the while I suppose then after I had done my master's I was then starting to apply for for um kind of freelance roles or um internships and things like that um and I remember I'm trying to I'm trying to remember I feel like the decision to apply for that master's came quite late in my third year I think it was like suddenly this like sense of oh what am I going to do am I going to move am I going to move back home am I going to stay in Leeds um and so I I seem to remember making the decision that I was going to try and do it and then everything kind of falling into place quite quickly um you know it was like the kind of thing where I was like where offers a radio masters again like neuroscience there's like a handful of places that do it so that kind of takes some of the decision out of it for you and then seeing that there was like a a matter of weeks if not days before the deadline closed for applications and just kind of bashing out an application and then that was that really and I think that was like the culmination of quite a long time of worrying about what I was going to do and freaking out that I was that I that I sort of wanted to do this massive not a not even u-turns not even the right phrase like this sudden like jolt off in another direction um and that I wouldn't be qualified to do it but then I mean when I did like years later I was doing an internship at um at the BBC and like working on a working on some like late night show and somebody came in who was an assistant producer at one of the local BBC stations who was honestly must have been about five years younger than me and I was probably only 22 myself at the time and I was like what's the secret and it turns out he'd just gone into a BBC radio station when he was 16 years old and started doing kind of um, work there so I was like damn. You you do sound like you almost... I suppose regretful slash embarrassed about the U-turn. Was it too quick? I suppose is my question. I don't think it was too quick. I mean, I think probably um, I have, I have, um, oh, I don't want to sound discouraging. I've literally n- never used my, the contents of my degree in my, in my adult life. Like I've, there's, there's no doubt that I really benefited from going to uni and all that that entailed. But, um, and I guess, you know, you've got like, skills like deadlines and you know and writing and stuff that aren't necessarily tied to the content of your course so it's not um so I suppose it was it was more that I I maybe I maybe wish I'd known myself a bit better when I was choosing my course or listened to the signs through the whole three years that I did the course or like or anything but I mean I'm not I wouldn't say I'm regretful regretful uh because it's it's a nice um you know as I say it's a nice icebreaker now (laughs) that that was my weird stupid degree that I did and now I do something totally different um but I think it was I mean university is expensive right so it felt like an expensive experiment maybe but I don't feel a I was going to say I don't feel the poorer for it. I am literally the poorer for it. But I don't feel, you know, emotionally and intellectually the poorer for it. Um, it just, yeah, it doesn't, it was probably not the most direct route. Yeah, and and, and well, there's not necessarily anything wrong with that, Joe. It's about whatever route is, was right for you is, is, is mm. something I constantly 
I'm, I'm kind of repeating to people. So let, let's let's fast forward a little bit. So you've 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 done this masters. You kind of got a foot in the door in terms of doing internships, but yeah. you're also doing some freelance stuff. How long did you stay in the in the radio world? Um, I stayed in the radio world. Well, let's think. A long time so I was sort of hopelessly freelancing and working in a bar for about I mean maybe five years something like that not hopelessly freelancing but like definitely wasn't a sustainable full-term freelance income that I was getting from radio I was having to supplement it with working in a bar which then if you've ever worked in a bar you know it like takes up way more of your time than you you initially intended did it to um so I did that for a while and then um maybe not quite five years because I got my first full-time job in radio in 2012 I remember finding out when the Olympics were on that I'd got that job um and that was working at an agency um like a production company that worked with the BBC that worked with um uh, like commercial it, it also did stuff outside radio so tv and um was just no is that right I don't even know if they were just starting to do social doing a bit of digital stuff when when I joined um and then that is the job that I was in uh I was I worked there kind of on and off for the next um five five years uh doing a, a ton of different roles and that's how I very slowly like um morphed from doing radio starting off in speech radio which wasn't what I really wanted to do I really wanted to do music radio um so I started off in speech and I and I eventually kind of graduated towards well graduated as I saw it towards music radio um and did you know did more and more of that and then um, and then slowly that turned into working, uh, working in more social media stuff. So I was doing a, I was working on a show on Radio One and a show on Six Music, um, and like various other BBC properties and some commercial station stuff. Um, and, and at that time, radio shows were starting to, um, recognize that you could use social media as a marketing tool for your show. And back in the day, it wasn't like Radio One's like now, if you would look at Radio One's social media output, in lots of ways, it bears almost no resemblance to their on-air output at all. It's not like they're sort of tweeting along. Um, but that was much more what it was like at the beginning. It's like the very basics of like signposting that this was the show that was going out and trying to point people towards it and get them to listen. Um, so started doing that for those stations, for those shows, and gradually turning what was by then a personal use of social media into a kind of useful professional use of it. Um, and then one of the other big clients that this uh, company that I was working at that they had was the Brit Awards. Um, and they'd been doing the Brits website for many years and radio output from the award show that was then um, syndicated out to broadcasters and whatnot. Um, and then that was developing again kind of at the very beginning of that turning into a social like social media activity for the show um and then you know latterly it's well it's now a 12 month of the year contract to run those channels for the brits um so i think i worked on my first brits in 20 
2014, 2015, and, uh, and, and from kind of helping out on the night that year, and maybe a bit of the week around it, then the next year I worked on it for the full campaign, and then for, I can't remember my years now, but anyway, the last two years that I was at that company, I was as the exec producer um, of all of the Brits social and digital campaign, which, which as I say, went from, it was originally, um, well, it was built up from nothing, but um, the first year I was senior producer on it, it was a four month contract and then we built it out to be a kind of 12 month rolling contract with the BPI, who are the parent company of the Brits. So it was my full time job to do to do Brits stuff, which was um, really great and a, a kind of such a fun uh like exciting project to work on and to be just learning the ropes with basically social media marketing content production which obviously having done radio for a while you're kind of familiar with the um with the kind of that element of content production but then moving into you know photography videography um uh, kind of graphic design um, and so I suppose that's that's then how I got my real like grounding in um, in in yeah in content. That's great. So uh, I'm just trying to get my, my head around this. So you've got this kind of five year period where, or, or maybe a bit bit longer, where you're slowly slowly moving from you know the 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 freelance and the part-time work supplemented by the bar work to this kind of more executive roles, more kind of leadership roles within, within this company and kind of, you know, mm. great content, things like that. When did it get to a stage where you were, you know, moving into the charity sector where you kind of like, right, I'm going to, I'm going to make that jump, make that transition. How did that all come about? Yeah. So I have only worked in one charity and that's the charity that I work in now. And that that's, I've been there three years. Um, and it, uh, it's a, an animal charity called Battersea Dogs and Cats Home, just Battersea as we're technically branded now. Um, and the reason for moving there was that I had worked on the Brits for a number of years. Um, and this job came up and actually three different friends sent me the job advert for this job. <laughs> And they were like, it's dogs and cats and the internet and you have to apply for it. Um, and it was, it was, there was like a really, it was an amazing opportunity because um, at the time Battersea were uh, just starting a new social media team. They'd had one social media officer working there who had been kind of doing everything single-handedly. Um, and it was a bit like kind of firefighting really. And there had been a decision that they were going to build a team from scratch. So they wanted somebody to come in, lead the social media and content teams, hire those people in, write a strategy for the organization from the bottom up. Um, and it just felt like a really good opportunity. It felt like an opportunity to um, expand on my management experience, to kind of have a sort of page one influence on uh, the direction that an organization was going to take. Um, to kind of apply what I knew about organic content. So, um, you, you know, just how we could be cost effective in the way that we try and um, market the charity. You know, all of that felt like it would be um, a really nice challenge and a good fit with my skill set. So I ended up applying for it and I ended up getting it, which was very nice and a bit of a surprise. Um, and then it was and it was a big step change. So moving from entertainment world where everyone says oh god it must be really um 
must be really glamorous working in entertainment and you're like no it's you know it's just the back of the O2 it's just a corridor whatever you know and I was like very laissez-faire about it and then I started working at a charity and I was like oh no this isn't glamorous (laughs) that other stuff was not I mean not crazy glamorous but it was it was more glamorous than this um so it was quite like shock to the system and also going from um uh, working at an agency working with clients where it's just like give 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 um and you know you, you you kind of have to be very very available and you have to work on very short turnaround times and um you know there's a kind of like a certain pace to agency life um to moving into the third sector which is just a bit different so I think to describe it as not being as um fast paced maybe makes it sound like it's an easier job which it isn't I think that it comes with its own challenges but um that was definitely a kind of um I don't know it's like when you come out of the bottom of the water slide and you hit the main pool it felt a bit like that it was like about rushing along at 100 miles an hour to then suddenly being like well okay so this is a different pace um and yeah and as I say I've been there for three years built a team um about uh, 18 months ago I poached the design team who used to sit within brand and I brought them over so we have like a creative um hub I don't like the term creative hub because I think it sounds a bit jargony but that's what we have <laughs> um uh and yeah so it's like 10 10 people that I manage um across social media content and graphic design um and yeah it's, it's a nice a nice challenge and a different one it sounds like it's been a really really interesting journey I don't know there's several points you kind of like oh it could go this way or it could go that way and it, it's just and then it kind of surprised me even listening to it where it's gone this this other direction you know where it, it it's a uh, it's it's been really interesting to listen to it and I'm just wondering from what you've learned in your experiences thinking about the people who would be listening to this podcast what kind of advice and guidance would you have you learned things you could pass on from your own journey well I so for for a period of time a few years ago I had a mentor within the world of radio that was a, a scheme that was set up to kind of match um young as I was then people in radio with older mentors to kind of or, or more senior or experienced mentors to kind of talk to them about um, their career. And at the time I thought, oh, maybe I should be starting my own company. Should I be getting into kind of, should I be, um, you know, producing, will podcasts become a thing? <laughs> Probably not. Um, and uh, and so I was kind of thinking about that. And so I have at points in my life sought sought kind of outside counsel about what I might do and have always found those conversations to be really really helpful but ultimately I think you're right my career has sort of sort of zigzagged all over the place a little bit um and I've never been a kind of person that had like a five-year plan and I do know friends that have that that are like this is where I will be in five years and this is every step that I need to go to get to get to that and I think for those friends that have those they are super super helpful but that's just not um it's not really me I'm just not very good at planning (laughs) I'm also not very good at envisaging what the future holds and I find that that can be quite stressful to kind of put feel like I'm putting um 
I guess like deadlines and expectations on myself so I think the reason that it's been a bit sort of zigzaggy all over the place my career to date is that I've sort of just slightly followed my nose with things that I find interesting um, or maybe kind of stumbled into doing something and 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 been like "Mm, yeah I'll try this for a bit but not for me or um or tried something and definitely not liked it I mean I'd neuroscience I'd, I think I probably well as I said had I been ha, had more about me I'd maybe have changed my course um but was sort of just toddled along and did that but was quite sure by the end of it that I didn't want to keep doing it so I think I just followed my nose really um and just I guess at each stage tried to weigh up whether that what the benefit of a change is um which I definitely did when I moved to to the charity sector. I kind of really tried to think hard about what the benefits would be to to doing something quite different, and it felt like it was good um, a good stepping stone. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. That's not really advice, is it? No, no, it's <laughs> good. Follow your nose. <laughs> well, I I actually think it's really good advice, and it's it's something we haven't heard in the podcast yet, but I think it's it's uh, it's it's something that I kind of wanted someone to say because you know when I said that, that I was zigzaggy it was it it wasn't necessarily it, well it wasn't at all a bad thing because my, you know for for me my, my dad is always like I, I was brought up in the phrase try to have a round education and your career sounds you know I'll be zigzaggy fascinating because it's so interesting to have that kind of experience and that kind of you know grounding in neuroscience which not many people can say they have and then to go off and do you know something in, in the entertainment world and then find a passion in in the charity sector I think it's I think it's amazing I, I really do I think it's very very interesting and it's what it's, and so I think it's it's a very good piece of advice to follow your nose because you can who you are at 30 or whatever age is 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 not the same as who you are at 18 when you went to university you know you're, you're a different person you're gonna have different interests as well um we are coming to the end um of our chat it's, it is a short podcast um but i was just wondering it well basically i just wanted to give you the final word if you had anything you wanted to add any anything that you maybe felt like you hadn't covered you, this bit can be edited out so if you if there's anything to say that's absolutely fine as well but i did want to give you at least the chance of a final word Yeah, well, I suppose um, the thing that I would say is that, I mean, I sort of alluded to it earlier, but my job didn't exist when I started uni and it didn't even really, it was only just starting to exist when I finished uni. Um, And so I suppose maybe it doesn't necessarily go hand in hand with following your nose, but but that stuff, you you never kind of quite know what's going to come up. not just for you personally but in the world and what might be a career in five ten nearly 15 years time from when you leave uni um so I suppose like the journey to finding what you want to do maybe never finishes my stepdad always says that he doesn't know he still doesn't know what he wants to be when he grows up (laughs) and he's in his 60s and I I quite like that as a philosophy I think god if my you know if if the you know suddenly in five years time everybody is completely sick of social media and what it's doing to politics and the world and everybody leaves it um I think it's nice to not feel totally wedded to it and to be able to pick to pick out what skills you have from it and think about where they might take you your skills specifically rather than your um I guess professional 
experience. Thank you very much, Katie. You've been amazing. No worries. That was Kate talking about her very interesting career path and very winding and uh, I use the word zigzagging during that uh, interview. But I hope you will agree with me when I say that it is clearly a very intriguing, dynamic and, and just generally interesting career path that has led Kate from where she started originally, which was studying neuroscience, uh, into the field she's working now as a marketing manager in the charity sector. One of the things I hope to achieve in with this particular episode is to kind of dispel the myth that you need to have a kind of linear progression with your career. I love the fact that Kate's career is so changing and so dynamic. And I know I've used that phrase several times, but I really don't know any other way to kind of explain it. I just think it's it's a it's a very interesting career path. She's you know rather than being a a bad thing or a downside, the skill set and the knowledge she has, I think, is is something that she's kind of continued to push and grow and um, use in every move that she's made with her career. So I'm really hoping if there's someone out there listening who is feeling a bit stuck or maybe kind of regretful that they've done a degree in one area and, you know, not really sure of where they can go next, I hope Kate will serve as a inspiration for you that there is so much more to your career than just your degree. Your degree is a starting point and whether that's a starting point down the same path as the one you studied, um, great, but it might not be. It might be one that you need to figure out and kind of move into various different areas, and that is totally okay too. And you know, you know, I really, really hope that um, there are people out there who will, uh, who need to hear this message, will get it. And I suppose in that same vein, if you're listening to this podcast, I've been delighted to see that some people have been listening kind of week in and week out. If you know any kind of final year students or recent graduates. Uh, regardless of, of what you know about their kind of career path or what's going on with them, maybe send them a link to the show and, and, and just kind of tell them about it because although, you know, your friends or your family member may not need it, I have no doubt that they will have a friend or uh, a classmate who might need to hear the story or, or the stories or other stories like it that have appeared on this uh, show uh, so far or that will in the future. So, you know, just to keep that in mind, if you do have anyone you think would benefit from hearing um kate's story as well as stories on this show anyway that's enough for me i really appreciate your time thanks for tuning in we'll be back next week with another episode i'm keon sullivan thanks for listening thank you for listening to this episode of graduate compass remember if there is a degree subject or specific industry you would like to be featured on any future episodes then we would love to hear from you and know what you are trying to find out Our email is info at graduatecompass.ie.